Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Stanley Herbert from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, Yusuf Al Ford from the state of Indiana, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege we bring your program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. There are over 1,800 live shows on that Blog Talk Radio website at this hour, and you'll consistently find this radio show on pages one through four of that website. I just checked it before I came on the air and you'll find the show tonight on page one. What a blessing. And if you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com or you can call Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in the word of prayer, that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. 
and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host on the show this evening, Dr. Frank Washington, and you, Sir Al Ford, as they break into our listeners, the bread of life, and also my co-host, Steve Cordo, who will be answering the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you will bless them and their families, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you would bless our listeners who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you, and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, What must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We're just so grateful for his precious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. While even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives, and that we have been faithful until death. Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, he serves with the West Broward Church of Christ in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And we also have a question in the second segment from my platform on Facebook, social media, called Shout It Out. And my co-host, Steve Cordo, he serves with the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be answering our question in that segment. And then to close out the show, my newest co-host, Yusuf R.L. Ford, he serves as an evangelist for the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana, and he'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds, and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you hear will be that of my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Of love on the line. 
come on and spin the line. Let us gather just for a crown of us in the line. Come on and spin the line. Send the light, oh, the blessed gospel light. Let us shine from dark shores. listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host dr frank washington good evening brothers and sisters thank you brothers Tom, for that introduction uh, we want to thank everyone for taking the time out of their busy uh, schedule to listen for a few minutes to the word of god um I hope that you had a pleasant day, and uh, we hope that God will continue to work in our lives and in our hearts uh, so that we can show the world that we serve a true uh, and a living God. Tonight, we all know about David. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. But David wasn't all that straight. He was given the opportunity to take revenge against King Saul. Uh, He was placed in a position where he could kill Saul if he had the desire, because he had the opportunity several times. Instead of murdering his enemy and claiming the kingdom for Israel for himself, David exercised grace and wisdom. He allowed Saul to live. And David even reached out to his enemy in love and forgiveness. That's something I think we should probably work on ourselves. But in our lesson tonight, we find David in a different set of circumstances from previous. The passage is taken from 1 Samuel 25, verse 2 through 44. So if you get a chance to read it, uh, it's a beautiful story and you will be blessed by it. And if I read it now, it'll take me practically all night for my lesson. So um, I'll do that while I'm doing the lesson. So, but 1 Samuel 25 to 
uh, through 24. It finds David in a different set of circumstances that he we may find him uh, in, in other situations and in an entirely different state of mind. Now, this lesson is going to show what can happen to you and to me when anger is allowed to control our lives. All right? Does anybody here have a problem with anger? Anybody here other than me? And be honest with yourself. Anybody here other than me have a problem with anger? Or maybe I should just ask you this. Is there anyone here who does not have a problem with anger? And I'm sure if you were, if we were in a building, everybody's hand would probably shoot up. But the fact is we all get angry from time to time, from the pulpit to the pew, to the back. The problem is many times we don't always control our anger as we should. Amen? Many times our anger controls us. And before you know it, our anger has caused devastation. It's caused destruction. It's it's killed a marriage. It's it's you lost a job. It 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 ranks on a scale that you never imagined. Track this. Once you act on your anger, you can never pull it back. Did you hear that? Once you act on your anger, you can never pull it back. Finally dies out, but only after leaving a path of destruction, end quote. Now, that's the danger of anger, but that's why the Bible has a lot to say to all of us about controlling the temper. Here's just a, a few passages. Many of you know them, but here's just a few verses uh, that talk about anger. Uh, Psalms 37, 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Ephesians 4.26, the one that everybody goes to, be angry and sin not. Yet not, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Ecclesiastes 7 and 9, be not hasty in the spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Probably that word fool, but I'll, I'll tell you about that later. Tonight I want to look in, in on, on an episode from David's life. This is uh, scene one, I, and I like to... Uh, for each of us to examine our own hearts as we think about the subject of anger and the problems it can cause. The lesson tonight is how to analyze an angry man, how to analyze an angry man. Now, there are three things I want to present to you tonight about this passage. Uh, one was David's anger needs to be considered. The reason for his anger, you'll find that in verse 2 uh, through 11. David is on the run from Saul. He and his men are hiding in the wilderness. While they are there, they're doing two things. First, they are finding, they're fighting uh, with some of the wild tribes in the area, and you'll find that in 1 Samuel 23. Second, they deserve or they serve as for the shepherds in that area. So they, they're fighting wild folk in the, in the area, and they're also protecting some folk in the area, particularly the shepherds. 
preventing the enemy from taking the sheep and harming the servants. Now, David and his men took on this side gig, so to speak. They took up this side gig as a means to earn money while they lived in the wilderness. They earned some food, some provisions, those kind of things. But now it's, and it was customary back in those days for the person who received the protection, who provided the protection, kept you safe, to reward the person who provided the protection. I mean, that's simple. But when David heard that it was shearing time, verse 4, he sent some of his men to remind a man called Nabal. And they had provided protection and that, as a result, none of his sheep had been lost. Again, David sent some men to remind this man, Nabal, that they had provided protection and none of your sheep were lost. David sent his request at shearing time because that was when the shepherds sold their wool and made their profits from the flock. Okay? Stay with me. Now, David sends his men to Nabal with a kind and courteous greeting. He reminds Nabal of the effective service that they provided, right? And he makes no demand. All David does is he simply says to Nabal or sends the message through his guys to simply ask Nabal, bruh, do the right thing. Do the right thing. But instead of responding in gratitude, Nabal answers David's men with some real harsh words. If you look at verse 4 through 9, David calls, I mean, Nabal calls David's integrity into question. He says, who is David? Like he didn't know who David was. I mean, everybody knows who David is. But he calls David's integrity in the question. Who is this man called David? Who is, who is he? What's he all about? He calls David a rebel, and he refuses to do right by David and his men. Question. Have you ever done wrong by somebody? Have you, have you ever been hurt by another person? Have you ever been, you know, misunderstood? Have you ever been mistreated? You know, or some of these preachers understand what I'm about, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to say now, and that is, have you ever had your name misspoken? Have you ever had your feelings hurt or been done dirty by another person? Sure you have. We all have. And what was our first response? If we're honest with ourselves, when, the kind of, when this kind of thing happens, you know, our flesh tends to get all stirred up and we go ethnic. We get angry and we say and do things we later regret. Remember what I said earlier, right? If you, once you get or once you act on your anger, you can never pull it back. Never pull it back. So there's an anonymous writer who said, quote, anger manages everything badly. And they're exact. Now, the reaction to David's anger is found in verse 12 through 13. And here we find David's men return to him and tell him Nabal's response. David blows the stack. David gets caught under the collar. He gets his men together to exact revenge on Nabal. He prepares 600 men to go after one man, 
He said, bros, let's tack up. Let's talk about overkill. Anger will make you do, brothers and sisters, some pretty dumb and stupid things. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anyone know what I mean? Have you ever said or done anything in anger that you wish you had not said or done or could take back? We all have. I'm, I'm raising my hand now, both hands. But God help us to manage our tempers for the glory of God. Aristotle said, and I quote, it is easy to fly into a passion. Anybody can do that. But to be angry with the right person to the right extent and at the right time and with the right object and in the right way, that's not easy. And it's not everyone who can do it, end quote. Now, how true is that? That's facts. Nabal's response should not have surprised David, though. Look at the Bible in verse 3. It calls him a uh, churlish man. This word churlish for Nabal was hard to get along with. He had a really bad attitude. Y'all know anybody that's got a bad attitude? Well, we're also told that he was evil in his doing. This means that Nabal made a habit of doing other folks dirty in life and in business. And but verse two tells us that he was a rich man, a very great man, which means heavy. And that tells us that Nabal was loaded. And and this also indicates that he was also selfish. But to get to his real name, the name Nabal really means fool. Now I I I, I kinda ask the question, what parent, you know, after having giving birth to a child, names him gives him a name that represents something like that. That's another lesson. But David encounters a man named Fu who lives up to his name. David responds to Nabal by going off in a blind rage to get even with him. And here's what we need, brothers and sisters, to get into our hearts today. Track this with me. We cannot always control what the other person does to us. Amen? Somebody say something to me now. But we are in absolute control of how we respond to what the other person does. Now, what are some of the results of David's anger? As a result of his anger, David is temporarily insane. He takes 600 men to kill one guy just because David felt insulted. Now, again, how dumb is that? That's insanity. David had refrained from killing Saul because he saw Saul as the Lord's anointed, verse 24 and 26, and as his own superior. But here, David sees Nabal as an ant, an A-N-T, you know the little ant? An ant that he can stomp on in submission. David was going to be king someday. Nabal was a nobody. What right did, in, with, did, did this nobody have to rise up against King David? Huh? Listen, David at some point would make him pay. David, But David was blinded by rage. And that, my brothers and sisters, is what anger will do and has done to good people. It takes control of your mind. It turns sane people sane men, sane women, uh, sane boys and girls into raving lunatics. 
Anger will cause you to say things you wouldn't ordinarily say. Stay with me. Anger will cause you, and, and I'm sure if I'm if I'm talking to you, then you know what I'm talking about. Anger will cause you to do things you would not normally or ordinarily do. It will make you act like a fool. Anger will make you do things you will have to repent of at that time. You can't wait till Sunday to get there, but you got to do it at that time. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying at this time? May God help each of us to take a close look at our hearts and lives today. Because I'm sure if we were all honest, we would admit, you and I, we would admit that anger is a problem that we have to deal with and that we deal with it each and every day. So thankfully, there was a solution for David. And there's one for us all as well. And now we move to the second part of this lesson. That's David's anger analyzed. Now we get to another beautiful story in verse 14 through 20. A lady named Abigail kind of gets information of this situation. Abigail is Nabal's wife. Nabal was a fool, but his wife was everything that he was not. And her name is Abigail, which means my father is George. She was a, the Bible says she was a beautiful woman and intelligent woman. She was a wise woman spiritually. She was also lovely at heart and was of appearance. But when she hears what her foolish husband had done, she takes the necessary steps to make matters right. She gets together the food and things David and his men needed, and she goes out to meet David with the hope that she can change his mind. If you look at verse 19, we're told that she did this without consulting her husband. She isn't working against him. Hear me now. She's not working against him. She is working for him. Track it now. D- David sent a nice message to Nabal. You know, hook a brother up. We protected you. Nabal got on his, you know, high horse and said, man, I forget you. David gets kind of teased. He was upset. He got angry. He blew his stack. The wife hears about it. Brother, sometimes the wife is right. And I know some of y'all probably, you know, not listening anymore, but that's okay. Those of you who are, remember, sometimes the wife is right. Because Abigail isn't working against, she's working for him. Now, a carnal woman would have said, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. I'll just sit here, wait for David to take care of that old fool for me, and then I can be on my way. But Abigail didn't do that. She went to work behind the scenes trying her best to protect her husband. In fact, she literally, and I mean she literally, saved that old man's life. 
In verse 23 to 31, Abigail's appeal in the situation. When Abigail meets David, she humbles herself at his feet. She meets him at the bottom of the mountain. She refers to herself as David's handmaid. This is a beautiful story. You guys need to check this out. Six times she called him. She called herself as David's handmaid. Six times and calls him my lord, small l. Fourteen times she comes into his presence, humble, open, and straight herself in front of David. She admits that David and his men had suffered wrong by the hand of her husband Nabal. She admits that her husband is not a good man. He's a, he, she also admits that he's a fool. But she asks for forgiveness and pleads with David to accept her gift and spare Nabal and the rest. Here's what we're doing now. She tells David that God sent her to stop him from murdering a man in anger. She tells David that if he kills Nabal, Nabal in anger, it will hang over his legacy as king forever, like a dark cloud. But if he does what his anger is telling him to do, he will regret it forever. So she appeals to the spiritual side of David. Sometimes we can't appeal to folks' fleshly side. If they got a spirit, we got to appeal to that. That's what she does. But in these verses, Abigail reminds me of the Holy Spirit. When the flesh gets its anger stirred up, the Spirit of God will remind us. It will remind us, you know, hey, you better check yourself. We need to act slow. And we need to act sensibly. You know, he will remind us uh, many times when we get angry and out of sorts. James 1, 19 through 20, which says, Wherefore, my beloved, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Amen. And so Abigail then has an achievement in this situation. In verse 2, Abigail's wisdom overcame the anger in David's heart, and he backed off. I think a woman can do that many times. Abigail's wisdom, her wisdom, overcame the anger in David's heart, and he backed away from his plans. David said, all right, I'm not going to do that. Disaster was averted because David was willing to listen. What am I saying? Brothers, if you're out there and your wife is trying to talk to you, listen. Now, I know I'm getting some amens from the sisters and not much from the brothers, but that's okay. It's a true statement. That's a message for you. But sadly, but, but sadly, 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 the loud cry of anger in our heart can be so strong that we cannot or will not hear the still, small voice of the Spirit of God as he tries to reach into our heart. And calm us down. If we would just learn to take it down a notch, we can listen to what the Spirit is saying to us and respond to Him instead of the flesh. It would save a lot of us, that includes me, a lot of heartache in every, any and every relationship that we have in our lives going forward. Listen to that still, small voice 
but you got to turn it down a notch. All right, brothers? All right, sisters, you got to turn it down a notch. Now, David's anger ultimately was conquered, was defeated. And the closing verses of this chapter show us how and why David was able to overcome his anger. Watch this. My friends, I think we could all use less, this lesson or these lessons in our daily life. Watch this. Conquered by the openness of David's heart. It was conquered. David backed down because he saw that God had worked in the situation to send Abigail to him to prevent him from committing a terrible sin. Sometimes God works in a situation, but we're not paying attention to because, you know, we're still angry. Brothers and sisters, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And if we don't take advantage of the gifts that God has given to us at the point of our baptism, we're going to be some miserable, messed up people. Yes, I said that. But David, again, backed down because he saw that God had worked in the situation. When we get angry, God is still working. He can work a situation. He can send somebody. He can send a thought to your head. He can, you know, he can send a, you know, quote, unquote, Abigail to you to prevent you from committing a terrible sin. And David accepted the things Abigail brought and allowed her to return home with his promise that all is okay. He ain't, he's, he, he's not going to take his husband out, her husband out. But what would have been wrong if David would have taken matters in his own hand and gave old Nabal what he deserved? Huh? The wrong would have been in the fact that God, not David, is the one authorized to right all of our wrongs. Anytime we take matters into our own hands and seek justice to get even with uh, somebody who has wronged us, we sin against the God, uh, uh, sin against God. We sin against God. But as usual, God has a better way. Recompense, Romans twelve seventeen. Recompense to no man, evil for evil, bad for bad. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give peace unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance. Okay, did I hear you all say it right with me? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Not 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 Brother Frank, not Brother Steve, but thus saith the Lord. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? Shout it out for me. Good. Amen. David conquered his anger because he was open to the Lord and willing to do things God's way. That's a plan. That'll work for any, all of us. That's a plan. But not only that, David was conquered by the operation of David's heart. 
it was conquered by the operation of David's heart. When Abigail returns home, she finds her husband drunk. She knows that if she tells him in that state, he is liable to do something real stupid. So she waits until morning. She tells him what she's done. When she does, watch this. Nabal experiences a stroke. Yes, he gets a stroke. Either he's overcome by anger and what Abigail did and what David threatened to do, or he's overcome by fear. Either way, the boy has a stroke. God is working in this. Either way, he stands in that condition for 10 days, and then he dies. Now, because David was willing to allow the Lord to take care of the problem for him, he enjoyed the victory over Nabal. Instead of taking revenge and getting his hands red with blood of an army, David's hands are clean. In the end, David married Abigail <laughs> and probably became possessed and had uh, came through all the possessions that had belonged uh, to Nabal. David got David got it all. He didn't. Nabal was too foolish to give him what he uh, rightfully was supposed to have. But now. David got it all. Why? He refused to allow his anger to rule his life. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? If you do right by God, God does right by you. If you do right by God, God does right by me. Isn't that wonderful? That'd be a lesson to all of us. David was a man after God's own heart. David proved by his actions in this encounter as to why he was called man after God's own heart. David responded properly in the voice of the Lord, and his anger was kept in check. It was kept in check. So, as we get to our conclusion, what are we going to do with this message? What are you, my friends who are listening, what are you going to do with the message? We need to bring our anger to the Lord and ask him to help us act like his son Jesus toward those who offend us, get on our last country nerve, who make us mad, who make us angry, who talk about us, who say things that aren't true about us. We need to take that to Jesus. Some of us need to get, you know, before the Lord right now and ask for help. But I want you to wait till I finish the lesson and then you can go do that. But because we know that we might not be angry right now, the day and the night is still young, people. But it could happen before the lights go out tonight. And we know that when anger comes, we will need God's help to respond properly. Now, other folks have been simmering in your own anger or for quite a while. The best thing you can do is get to Jesus and ask him to turn down the heat. Jesus, turn it down, turn it down, turn it down. Turn down the heat before you have a meltdown. Now, I know most folks don't like to come or get before the Lord after a message like this or even think about it, but that's okay. Here are the facts. We are all cut from the same cloth. We are all cut from the same cloth. We all have problems with anger, and we experience problems with our anger every day. The best thing we can ever do is to yield our feelings, yield our hearts, yield our rights and our anger to the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Because if he has used this message to speak to your heart, 
If this message speaks to your heart, I challenge you now to get before Jesus and get the help you need. I hope this lesson helped somebody tonight. What are you going to do with this message? I hope you take it and you apply it and become better people by it. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Stay in God's grip. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Lord, you know I need you.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. We have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out that we want to pose to one of my co-hosts, Steve Cordell. He serves as the evangelist with the East Park Church of Christ in Danville, Illinois. We also want to encourage our listeners to go to that platform there on Facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions. Go ahead, Steve. Take it away. Shout It Out question. Good evening, Stevie, and thank you for having me on the broadcast once again. Welcome to our audience on the Blog Talk Radio platform or whichever platform you happen to be on. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening. And i am uh, got a question here that was uh, uh, given to me as a result of some reading uh, through the Old Testament, a question that comes up quite frequently. Uh, and one, I'll be honest with you, when uh, I was uh, a Christian in the early days, this is one that, that caused me uh, some concern and, and had to do some deep studying uh, to understand it. And the question is, if we have free will, how did God harden Pharaoh's heart, and why would he do such a thing? And that's based on Exodus chapter 7, uh, verse 3. Now, if we go over there and we have a look at the first uh, six verses of, uh, of Exodus chapter 7, we see that the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders to the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people to the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Now, this is a case we could say of obviously of a hardened heart. Now, James Burton Kaufman in his commentary said that the, the mention here, uh, or rather the mention of his uh, heart here does not mean that God would harden Pharaoh's heart at the beginning of these events, but that such hardening uh, executed uh, on him by God would be the final result. Now, what we have in Exodus chapter 7 is what Burton Kaufman called a prophetic summary of the next seven chapters. And uh, he's got uh, some more on, on in chapter 4 to talk about hardening uh, of the heart. But Burton Kaufman goes on to quote a man named George Harford as saying that there are three forms of the word used in reference to hardening. One is hard, two is self-hardened, and three is God-hardened. And raising difficulty but a little reflection lightens the difficulty. That's from uh, George Harford. In all of the human conduct we see there is a combination, and Harford and Kaufman call this a a mysterious combination of man's choice and God's enabling. God uses events to produce opposite effects upon different characters. And the example they use, and if you think about it, this is a good example, uh, would be uh, fire. The same fire and heat that melts wax hardens clay. And so, you know, God's uh, will, God working in human events will harden some hearts but soften others. Uh, you might have an event happen to you that softens your heart. You turn to God. The same thing happens to me. 
uh, I get all upset with God, uh, kind of like Pharaoh did. I harden my heart, and then I say, well, I'm done with this, and I walk away. Now, the assertions of God's sovereignty uh, must not be isolated, but interpreted in harmony with his moral rule. And that's, that's Kaufman's comment. So another way to put it is we need to interpret Scripture in the light of Scripture. One of the problems with, that a lot of people have when it comes to interpreting the Bible and understanding the Bible, and we find this a lot with Bible critics uh, who sometimes I think start with a conclusion and work backwards, but they take one verse of Scripture and run with it and say, well, see, the Bible teaches this, it teaches that. Or they'll grab one scripture and say, well, this scripture says X, Y, Z. This one says over here says A, B, C. Uh, there's a contradiction. They don't properly uh, put the two together. They don't properly consider the rules of, uh, of interpretation uh, when it comes to the scriptures. Just interpretation like we would use for most any kind of literature. And another thing you have to look at is Pharaoh's actions. Now, they are those of a man whose conscience is eventually just going to be callous by his stubborn will. And factor in that Pharaoh is like any king in those days. He's an what we would call an absolute monarch. Another way to put it is he's a dictator. He's got no parliament, no courts, nothing like that to answer to, no checks and balances, no separation of powers. They typically had advisors to uh, help them make decisions, but in the end it comes down to Pharaoh. And if you speak against Pharaoh or against the king, uh, you could uh, potentially just uh, find yourself tossed in a dungeon or, or, or worse. He could just say, hey, off with your head, uh, and there's not really anything you can do about it. You don't have any appeal. Now, one writer pointed out that it is interesting that nine times we are told that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but also nine times we are told that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So we got to factor in human responsibility and divine sovereignty. The man chooses how to react to situations that come his way as a result of God's purposeful will or his permissive will. Now, that's a different topic for a different time, but uh, just a quick summation for our discussion here to explain the difference. Uh, the purposeful will of God is where God has a definite purpose. Uh, for an individual to, to do something or be uh, in a place. For instance, God had a purposeful will for this pharaoh to be in office or, or in, on the throne at this time. Then with God's permissive will, God allows something for um, such as Saul becoming the king uh, of Israel, the first king of Israel. He allowed him to become king uh, and in that case, it was to, I think, show the people a lesson. They were, they were thinking they were going to have things great having a king, and we're going to be like the nations around us. And he said, well, wait a minute. Okay, I'm going to give you the king, but, you know, the king's going to tax you. He's going to regulate you. He's going to send your sons to war and, and all the things that a king uh, are going to do. And the people basically said, okay, and they got their king, and we, we can see the, the rest of it there. So getting back to uh, Exodus and the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, uh, in all there are a total of about 18 references in the Bible to Pharaoh's heart being hardened. And when we consider them, we find that the first two references in chapter 4 uh, and the one uh, here that we're looking at says that God will harden Pharaoh's heart at some time in the future, but you've got 10 references uh, uh, the next 10 references, with the exception of this one in chapter 7, says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Now, here's the thing we have to understand. There is a danger with constantly rejecting truth. 
another uh, writer I consulted uh, to answer this question said in part that when the word of God is preached, either men will believe God's word or not. If they do not believe God's word, God's integrity is insulted. It is as though the man uh, or woman steps up and calls God a liar to his face. Now just think about the people today who, when you present the gospel or you try to, they say, well, yeah, you know, Jesus was a great philosopher, great teacher. He's not the son of God. They're throwing the gift of God, the salvation, back in God's face. Or one that I kind of get a little bit of a chuckle out of, but it's serious. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe the whole Bible. Or I'm a Christian, but I don't believe any of the Bible. Okay, that's an oxymoron. It's a self, it's a, a, a square circle. You can't do it. If you say you're a Christian, if you are a Christian, you have to accept the Bible, the whole thing. Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 10 says, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has, uh, has given of his Son. So when, when the word is preached and you reject it, you know, you are not accepting it, you are not believing, yeah, you're calling God a liar. Now, God will take a certain amount of unbelief. You notice I, he doesn't uh, generally strike people down if they say, no, I don't want to have a Bible study. I've never had that happen to anyone anyway when I've offered a Bible study. The world has billions of people who do not believe in God or believe in Jesus for one reason or the other, which is why we present the gospel to people. We rely on its power to save, Romans 1.16 tells us. It, the gospel is God's power to save. But there comes a point where God has had enough. And I have sometimes wondered about people who live to be ripe old ages and they die without Christ. Was that because God was allowing them to live in hopes they would become a Christian? I don't know, but but sometimes uh, I think God might be doing that. That's just my opinion. I don't really have anything in Scripture I can think of to back it up. Uh, and sometimes maybe God uh, runs out of patience with other people. You know, There's a lot there we don't understand. Now, look at what's happening to Pharaoh. The ten plagues happen. God is revealing himself to Pharaoh. He is, in fact, challenging Egypt's religion. He was calling God in, in, in a way, is using this to call on Pharaoh to change his mind, change his heart, to repent. But he's not budging. You know, once or twice he comes close. Okay, go ahead, take your people. Ah, wait a minute, I changed my mind. Uh, as soon as the relief from whichever plague it was has come, his heart gets hardened again. Now, if we jump from chapter 7 to chapter 8, verse, four, uh, verse 25 of Exodus, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination uh, of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. Now, apparently, the sacrifices were going to involve some sacred animals, uh, to, animals that are sacred to the Egyptians at this time. And so they're afraid that that will cause some backlash, uh, just like uh, it, it can cause uh, today sometimes. When you start tampering with people's religion, uh, it, it can lead to a lot of trouble, and that's what they're concerned about. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far. Intercede for me. And Moses said, Indeed, I am going out for you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, 
uh, for, from his servants and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. The Pharaoh before has said, okay, you can go, then changes his mind. And so Moses is saying, look, you've got you to quit that. If you're going to let us go, let us go. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. So here we go again. Uh, he said, go and uh, intercede or pray for me. But now he's changing his mind again. They, they couldn't endure the flies anymore. But it, look at verse 25. It's obvious that he is regarding them as uh, you know, the Hebrew God, the God of Israel, not really uh, claiming any uh, belief in him necessarily, or, or I guess we would say relationship, or some would say that, call it a relationship. Now, when you look at this place that Pharaoh has gotten himself into, this, this jam that he's gotten himself into, we might see a little bit of modern America, modern people in this. When people go through tough times, sometimes they'll come to you and say, hey, look, I got this problem, that problem. Would you pray for me, pray with me? And when we do pray for them, uh, they show an openness to God. You talk to them a little bit about it. They might even move a little bit in, in the direction of a Bible study or talking more about God. And then the, the, the crisis passes and boom, they're gone. And so that's kind of the situation here. The crisis is here, the, 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 the plague, uh, the flies, the river turning uh, to blood, uh, the, the locust, you know, whatever the, the plague is. And now, okay, Moses goes out, prays to God, it goes away. Okay, we're good. I don't need God anymore. Thank you. Have a nice day. And so Pharaoh is wanting to, in those times, make concessions, but he's not giving in completely. He's trying to limit how far they can go. And so we got got a problem here of someone saying, yes, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, and then turning their back on God or turning back to their old ways. That's what Pharaoh's doing. That is something we, as a lesson to us today, need to avoid. Uh, when we we got we got to understand that it is possible to turn our our back on God and walk away from God. We have to be as, oh, uh, another uh, commentary like I said. It had to be genuine in dealing with God. God cannot be deceived. He knows what's going on in your heart. And this is this is uh, the type of thing I'm talking about. Would be someone who is baptized mainly to please somebody else, but they really aren't believing the gospel themselves. They aren't going to really change. And then uh, they end up going back to the world, back to its pleasures. That's very dangerous because you're putting your soul in danger if you do that. Second uh, Peter chapter 2 says, For if uh, after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of, the Lord, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again in, entangled therein and overcome, the, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. He's speaking specifically about false teachers uh, who know better and are teaching uh, false doctrine, people who are, have departed from the truth. Hebrews chapter 3 tells us, So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Take, and then the writer of Hebrews says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you uh, with an evil heart, of unbelief in departing from the living God to whom uh, he swore that they would not enter into his rest, but to them that, that did not believe. 
So we see that we could not enter in because of unbelief. So people who have gone back, and that's the Hebrew writer is dealing with people who came to Christianity from Judaism and now are going back or are wanting to go back. And you may have known some people kind of uh, getting to this idea of God's truth and his word being preached and accepting it or rejecting it. You know, I can think of some people that I have known who have sat in many church services. In fact, I'm thinking of a couple of individuals who uh, went with their spouses and their families for years, in one case for at least 50 years. And as far as I know, he never became a Christian. He died without the Lord. And this was a man in his younger years would be for at the building for work days. He helped uh, at the, the uh, Christian camp to get the cabins ready every year. Uh, and his wife was a faithful member. She grew up in the Lord's Church. And there were people, uh, in fact, I know one of the people who spoke at that church who looked directly at this man when he got to the invitation, directly at him and said, some of you here have not obeyed the gospel. And uh, the, the man just sat there and kind of stared blankly. Uh, I never heard him get uh, offended. I never heard him uh, uh, get hostile. He just never obeyed the gospel, and I never really could get a straight answer as to why. But he died without the Lord many years. He, he His heart was hardened to some degree that he was not receptive to the gospel. And so that's what's happening here with Pharaoh. His heart is hard, just like that flame that hardened the clay. It's The, God, the flame of God's word is hardening Pharaoh's heart. At a time, and, and the time after time, he is rejecting God's word. He is, is turning his back. He is, is not accepting the opportunities to let Moses and Israel go into the woods and, and make the worship and the sacrifice that God wants. Uh, and, and the plagues are serving to harden his heart. He's digging in his heels. He's becoming more stubborn because he's not getting his way. He's the king after all, and I shouldn't have to. Uh, subject myself to this sort of thing. That's what I'm I'm kind of putting words in his mouth, but that's what the, the impression I get from Pharaoh. Now, we do have to remember God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 2.4 tells us, He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9. So we all have choices to make. And we can all end up with hard hearts if we choose like the road that Pharaoh took. Where, no, I am, I am not going to learn from this. I am, I am not going to heed God's word. And I'm, and I, or if I get in a situation, a bad thing has happened, I'm blaming God for this. It's all his fault. Now, no, I did not say anything about questioning God. It is okay to ask questions. God can take your questions. Sometimes humans can't. But God can, can take your questions. And it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to study the scriptures. It's okay to pray about it. You just have to remember the answer may not be what you want. It may not come in the form you want, and it may be days, weeks, months, or years before you ever see an answer to any question that you have, if 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 there is an answer. And we can see this this example of people hardening their hearts throughout history, throughout Scripture. Genesis chapter six, what happened in Noah's day? Uh, Paul writing of this very thing about hardening our hearts in Romans chapter one, verses twenty-four to twenty-eight. We can see throughout Scripture, sin will harden hearts. If we get off into sin, uh, you know, we might do, uh, you know, pick a sin, any sin. We might commit it one time, or we feel guilty about it. We go ask forgiveness. We we uh, try to get away from the situation, and but then we do it again, and again, and eventually we start to build a tolerance to it. And eventually, God's word doesn't have any effect on us. 
That seems to be what's going on with Pharaoh. One minute he said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? That's not a question from curiosity or a question that's seeking information or discussion. That's a defiant question. Oh, yeah? Who are you? You know, someone comes in and says, into the room and says, uh, hey, you need to uh, you know, leave the premises right now. Oh, yeah? Who are you? That's not a question out of curiosity. That's defiance. And sin, if it's not kicked out of our lives, if it's not confessed, if it's not repented of, uh, is going to harden our hearts. How about other bad situations? You know, people, uh, we all have tragedy in our lives, a death, loss of a job, illness, whatever. That, uh, to me, might harden my heart, and I turn around and say, you know, I get mad at God, but you might at the same time think, yeah, you know what, I need to reflect on my life and maybe make some changes. It can, it's going to depend on the person and the, and the choices that we make. And so any of those can, can harden us. We need to be careful uh, to not allow our hearts to become hardened. We need to be careful that uh, we keep a humble attitude whenever uh, trouble comes our way. And then in Proverbs chapter 29, Proverbs 29 uh, verse 1, He who is often rebuked and hardened, his neck he will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. He who uh, is often rebuked and hardens his neck. And hello, Pharaoh. Hardening his neck or hardening his heart. Someone who is uh, just not going to take uh, the word of God or the leading of God. Uh, if your heart is hardened, that's on dangerous ground before God. And so that is why all of us need to keep a guard on our hearts being hardened. Uh, it is not that God uh, predestined Pharaoh to end up with a hard heart, things going on, and Pharaoh chose to react that way. Pharaoh, in the end, ended up rebelling against God. That's what led to his hard heart, and God finally just uh, allowed it to go on to where the plagues hit, and then uh, the uh, destruction of Pharaoh's army as they went after, uh, went after the uh, children of Israel as they, were, as they were leaving the country. You want a cure for the hardened heart, it is going to be to uh, stay in the Word of God. It is going to be uh, uh, take humility, something that a person in Pharaoh's uh, position really lacked. Uh, Pharaoh's hardened heart was the effect of his using his right to rule over Israel against God's will. And hardening his heart, declaring himself basically to be God's enemy, he was setting himself up for judgment. And so I would say if, if you are in that situation like Pharaoh was, that your heart is hard, that you're uh, in rebellion uh, to God, you're not a Christian, I would strongly urge you to uh, find someone who can help you find your way to Jesus, who can teach you the gospel plan of salvation so that you don't wind up like Pharaoh with a heart so hard that you shut God off and you end up uh, going out into eternity without Jesus because you do not want to do that. So that's my answer to the question this evening. Uh, thank you for having me, Stevie, and uh, we will catch you on the next broadcast. Thanks for having me. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Let's
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This is a program reminder. Stevie B's Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. Or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening, I'm hosting a live show, What a Woman Lord Radio Show. That show will air every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. On the second Tuesday of the month, the show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. On the, my, on the second Tuesday of the month, I have a special guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Also during that show, we have a Community Corner segment. That segment is designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. I also have two co-hosts on that show, Luke Gilbert. He's the evangelist for the Oakwood Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Isa Mullins, he serves the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. Then on the third Tuesday of the month, that show will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. My co-host, uh, Dr. Antherica Lane, she's a board-certified obstetricianist and gynecologist. She serves with the Great Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And then on the fourth Tuesday of the month, the show will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host, Kelly Fletcher, she serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she'll be hosting her show, The Kelly Fletcher Show. Then on Thursday evening, from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, The Gospel Light Radio Show. And there are eight co-hosts on this show, Clay Phillips, uh, Dr. Frank Washington, uh, Steve Cordo, Robert Lee Johnson, Glenn McMillian, Yusuf Al Ford, Stanley Hubbard, and Brian Christian Coleman. And on this show, two of my co-hosts will be on the air with me, and also my co-host will be answering one of my shouted-out questions as well. Then on Friday night, I'm hosting a live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast, and this show is the recipient of the 2022 LaCamba National Academy of Christian Acapella Music Artists Award for Outstanding Achievement in Record or Radio. And this show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. On this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices, and we're also interviewing artists, producers, writers, etc., and we'll also debut new music and feature an old music on that show as well. And every third Friday of the month, I have my top 20 countdown show. And that's the show that I'll be airing on tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen. I will be doing that top 20 countdown show for the month of August. And we also have on-demand episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast from. Just search for Stevie B Media Productions, whether it be on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, YouTube, just to name a few. We also have recorded version shows. These shows can only be heard on iHeartRadio, Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. Just search for Stevie B's recorded version shows. I want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you would like to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco. She's from uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And her telephone number 
is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live radio show. My co-host, Yusuf Al Ford, is up next after the break. Stay tuned to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I don't know why my storm seems so tough at times, and I don't even know why I feel I'm losing my mind, and yet I know He's always there for me, and still I know He'll always. But 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Yusuf Al Ford. Good evening, everyone. Thank you, CPB, for your great efforts in this amazing broadcast. We also appreciate all of the talented people who work behind the scene to make this broadcast possible each week. Great job. Thank you for your efforts as well. I'm always humbled when asked to share a few words, and I hope this short message, short message entitled, This Is My Body, will be encouraging to everyone listening tonight. America, a bit of history. Each citizen of the United States is protected by law to have certain rights. I believe God worked through certain men in the past that understood Christian principles to abolish slavery and to create the framework that would pioneer economic, political, social, and religious rights for everyone, the higher powers, the powers that be. Read with me tonight several passages, pull out your Bible, and we'll begin in the New Testament. Romans chapter 13, and I'll read verse 1. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God, and therefore the powers exercised by the United States government were established through providence. 234 years ago, in 1789, President George Washington sent copies of the Twelve Amendments adopted by Congress to the states. Two years later, in 1791, three-fourths of those states had ratified ten of the amendments which we now know are the Bill of Rights. So the question tonight is, how, how do these rights work for us today? Well, they protect freedom of speech, which we are thankful for tonight. Freedom, the freedom of religion. The right to bear arms. The freedom of assembly. And the freedom to petition. It also prohibits unreasonable search and seizure. It prohibits cruel and unusual punishment and compelled self-incrimination, to name a few. What does that mean? In other words, every person has the right not to be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself or herself. Additionally, for more than 100 years, the Supreme Court has interpreted the Constitution's sexual protection for liberty to include the right to, to make personal decisions related to our family, our marriage, and child rearing, as well as the right to control one's body. And so, therefore, you have the right to know and learn about your body, sexual health and relationships. You have the right, by law, to sexual and reproductive health services. You have the right as an American to choose, America, or American to choose your partner, despite in some cases, spiritual ramifications. Each of us has the right to live free of violence. And these are only a few of the many rights that we are or should be thankful for tonight. And it should be no surprise to any of us that there are countries in the world today that reject these rights and these freedoms. So we have many rights 
as Americans, but um, we are becoming more and more liberal day by day to the extent I fear, I fear one day America will be no longer the country our forefathers envisioned, which is frightening. Uh, what kind of world will our grandchildren have to face? And in spite of the various problems, God still continues to bless our nation. Each one of us can stand on a tall podium tonight and proclaim, this is my country, my home, my body. I am my own person. The downside uh, to all of this is some of our liberties, which the government has approved, heaven does not. I humbly speak to you tonight as a Christian minister and will therefore tread lightly but securely. Christian America. America was once to me a great and proud and safe and beautiful place. America was polite, or Americans were polite and gracious, and for the most part, um, they were just kind and genuine and just wonderful people, but things are changing rapidly. But that's okay, because I'm passing through. Just like the old spiritual hymn says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond. <laughs> and notwithstanding, human beings are amazing creatures. Humanity is amazing. David said in the Psalms 139 verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. Man was truly God's masterpiece. For thus it was written, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 31, and God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. In creating mankind, he made himself reliant. He also gave him consciousness. He gave man the ability to self-govern his life. And truly, God created, created man in his own likeness. He made him body, soul, and spirit, what we call free moral agents. But with that freedom comes responsibility. Let me shock you tonight by announcing that he made us more than just human beings. Luke chapter 20 Verse 34 through 36, And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they that shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. Those who enter this world and grow beyond it will have the blessing that follows the resurrection not only surpassing humanity 
but equal to the power of the angels. And that's not all. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus said to his followers. Brace yourself. St. John chapter 10, verse 33 and 34. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work, stone, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because thou being a man makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are gods. Indeed it was written, ladies and gentlemen, Psalms chapter 82, verse 6. I have said, Ye are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High. So we are therefore lesser gods trapped in human bodies. Therefore we ought to be very, very mindful of what we do within our mortal, finite bodies. We don't sometimes realize how powerful we truly are. Do you know that we have the power to repel spiritual attacks? This passage from James describes how. James 4 verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Again, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Man has been given the power to send the universal arch enemy on his way packing. That's incredible. On one occasion, Jesus flung him behind. Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. In other words, you offend me. Get out of my sight. On one occasion, we had the power to walk on the ocean. That was Peter. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, I believe about 29, 30-ish. And also in Genesis 11, verse 8, man was building a tower so high into the troposphere that God himself had to stop him from building any further up. Human beings are incredible creatures. We have a great power. But not all human beings have the control they need to maneuver in this world safely or as we need to in the Christian manner. Now tonight, I have the privilege of joint citizenship. I'm not only a proud citizen of the United States with all of the rights that we share. But more importantly, I am a citizen of heaven. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. His family is my family. His name is my name. His body is my body. So how do I plan to use my body? Uh, this question was framed in the first book of Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, which will answer that question. How do I, how do I plan to use my body? What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. 
For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Lord wants to dwell within his people. He wants to dwell within you and I. In ancient times, he did... He, he dwelt in an Ark of the Covenant. There are many passages about how God met the children of Israel above the Ark. But in the New Testament times, the great apostle said that uh, in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 7 and verse 48, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophets, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house shall ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Well, today he rests within us. And therefore, I have to make sure that I uh, prepare a place and present myself in such a way that God can dwell within me. That is very important. And so now, uh, he would dwell with us or in us if we meet certain conditions. The second thing is First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, where it says, For this is not the will of God, or I'm sorry, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel into sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. What is concupiscence? Strong sexual desire. Got to keep it in check. Have to keep it in check. The question then is, what am I doing with my body? Am I setting myself apart from the world? That's what sanctification means. Sanctification does not mean running around a church building, dancing and shouting hallelujah. It means set apart. And so... The second thing Yusuf must do, I must do, is set my part, myself apart from the world and worldliness. That's important. That's what I will do. And the third thing I would do with this body is I will su surrender my life to God for heaven's use. Very powerful, wonderful scripture that I love is in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, the thing that God is asking me to do with my body and my life is reasonable. It's more than reasonable. We are sacrifices. We sacrifice our life. And by the way, human beings are the only sacrifices that I know of that will jump off the altar and run away. <laughs> Other sacrifices, they don't, that just doesn't happen, right? So these, these are the three things I, I will do. These are the three things I can control. And someone may be asking, why would you do that? Why would you do that, Brother Ford? Because he did it for me. Because God did it for me. Jesus did it for me. He sacrificed himself. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, at the table, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given to you. 
this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, this is one passage that we recite almost every Sunday. We've used Acts 20, verse 7, Matthew 26, verse 26, but uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 24 is often used where Paul said to the church, this is my body which is broken for you, referring to Christ, this do in remembrance of me. His body was broken for me. His body was broken for you. The Hebrew writer refers to Christ as having children, Hebrews chapter 1. And so, what would a parent not do for their child or their children? I have children, and I understand the sacrifice. I have a condition known as tinnitus. Tinnitus, if you don't know what it is, is a constant ringing in the ear. And how I contracted it was I was working so many hours. I, Rather than put undue financial burden on the church uh, many, many years ago, I found additional work. And I was working full-time ministry, uh, preaching on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday morning, Bible studies, missioning, and then working 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And one night in the middle of the evening as I was sleeping and preparing to go to work at 10 in the evening, I woke up with this extremely loud ringing and has not stopped. It rings 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day. And it has not stopped in 16 years. And so if any of my children or members of, of our congregation are listening tonight, I want you to know something. This is my body, which was broken for you. A proud father is listening to this program tonight, and you're working yourself to the bone. A proud, a proud father, because that's what we do. We work for our families. We provide for our families. And look across the table at your little children and tell them tonight or in the morning before you leave for work, this is my body, which is broken for you. A mother and a um, devoted person, devoted um, female, has to work two or three jobs. I've known many women that have raised their children by themselves and have worked two and three jobs, and I'm proud of you. My prayers are with you tonight. And perhaps you have to go in shortly. Put your children to bed and whisper in their ear, I love you. This is my body which is broken for you. Nana and Papa, are you listening tonight? Maybe you've raised your children and now you're caring for the grandchildren. You've spent most of your life and you're nearing the end of your journey. Well, one day you'll have all the children and the grandchildren by your bedside and they'll ask you why you did so many amazing things. You can look at them and tell them, this is my body, which was broken for you. And likewise, I'm, I, I, in my mind, I, see, I can see many hardworking brothers and sisters have known so many that have given their lives in the service of the kingdom. And if you're listening tonight, one day the Lord will announce to, to heaven According to Matthew 25, verse 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rulers over many things. Enter to the joy of thy, of thy Lord. Why? Because their bodies were broken for him. In conclusion, years ago, a family member of mine suffered from alcoholism. After years of suffering with his, uh, his issue, his wife announced that she was taking the children away and leaving and leaving him alone he never took another drink twas love and fear uh, which were the motivation for him to stop and change his life and perhaps he he hated what he had become and forcing her to make such a drastic decision gave him the proper motivation he needed to stop and change his life he loved his wife he loved his children and he realized she bare his children, and thus her body was broken for him. Her selfless sacrifice saved her husband and the children. John 15:12. Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. If you possess the courage tonight in prayer, ask God to give you the proper motivation you need to live the type of life He wills and that He has brought you into this world to live. Truly, this is your body. What will you do with it? Thank you and be well. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. God's hand is amazing. Wipe your weeping eyes.
listening to the gospel light radio show ladies and gentlemen that's our show i want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of god's word i want to thank my co-host dr frank washington and yusuf al ford great lessons on the broadcast today i hope you had your bibles open following along with these gentlemen i want to thank my co-host steve Corder. that was a great question that he had in regards to the hardening of pharaoh's heart and he did a very uh in-depth uh study in answering that question as well and i appreciate his efforts uh, in dealing with that question ladies and gentlemen i am just so thrilled to be able to put on a program of this magnitude where i have faithful gospel preachers in the lord's church who are willing to come on this broadcast every week and proclaim the word of god i am just so excited and thrilled to, and I'm, I'm actually humbled that i have men who are willing to work with me on this broadcast what a blessing what a blessing it is this is my prayer that these lessons that were given have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real, real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light radio show on behalf of my co-host. We really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yeah. 
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.